So like the show is done. Um, thank you for listening. I guess. Why do you keep giving us your time? <laughs> Send me an email. <laughs> Welcome everyone to another great episode of the Do Better Dev Show. I'm here with Nathan, our resident certified expert extraordinaire, AWS something. And how are you doing today, Nathan? Oh, never better. Uh, I just feel so warm and fuzzy every time you mention my AWS certification. Uh, it's a real honor to be here again. Thanks for having me on the show as the other co-host. Of course, of course. I mean, if it weren't for your qualifications, I wouldn't have you. Ooh, that makes the first so. few months really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, desperate times. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we looked at the potential you had. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, you can see through my lack of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... I just it explains the topics you know, why we didn't talk about AWS till recently. Exactly, this was a I was in it for the long haul. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to like test it out, see see the playing field, and now that you're certified, and we're gonna make all these videos and episodes, and then sell them <laughs> because we need that cash. Yeah, sell that free content. Yeah, well, it's only free because nobody pays us for it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, valid. Yep. Yeah. I see where, I see where you're going because, with Yeah. It won't be free when we like launch a GoFundMe, a PayPal, um, anything that allows them to give us money. Right. It's still free, but kind of like a reimbursement strategy. It's like exactly. Yeah. It's like those people at the beach that try to give you some jewelry and then they like ask you to pay for it. It's like that, except with content. But like yeah. you have some of that free content, you like that, you want some more, pay us. But also exactly. the next content's free too, but you have to then hopefully keep paying us. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's it's an excellent business model. The whole model the is weird. Gets what they everybody want. Everybody does this, but it's a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, the, the part about payments becomes, you know, less relevant then, because they already have the items, but maybe they'll feel it in their soul. Maybe they'll just be like, this is what... This is what's right. Yeah, reciprocity. Yeah, you know, these two guys waste my hour once a week. <laughs> I should pay them for this. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. If I were a good person, I'd be paying a lot of podcasters on their GoFundMes and, well, I guess not GoFundMes, Patreons. Mm -hmm. But I don't. So I just what you're saying is you're not a good person. Nope. I just listen to their ads mm -hmm. and... Uh, think, oh, sure, it would be nice if I didn't have to listen to these ads, but not for $5 a month. Are we then good people because we don't have ads? We're just not, we're not doing the right things, I think, on our end. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> we're broke on the business end, we're not even <laughs> broke on the consumer <laughs> side. <laughs> we're just like, can't, can't even support ads for our show. Oh, well. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the revenue needed to start a revenue stream is way too much for us. Yeah, yeah. The, re the real truth of it all is just it's an excuse to have a conversation once a week about dumb tech stuff. So that's true. Speaking of dumb tech stuff, we're gonna talk about S three. But before we do that, <laughs> tell fired. us your dumb cool stuff. Uh, so I wrote down <laughs> two cool things uh, while I was waiting at the dentist because I went to the dentist for this call. Also, was it at two thirty? Was, was your appointment at 2.30? Is this a reference I'm missing? Oh, it's a famous dentist pun because 2.30 sounds like 2.30. Oh. 
Well, <laughs> I'm not the connoisseur of puns that that one right. is. So anyways, anyway, I had this moment which I haven't had before. There, I think they just were playing either a different playlist thing I'm used to at the dentist office or something. But like California Girl played and um, Barbie Girl played, just like these real poppy songs. And at one point, you know, she's scraping my teeth, and that's playing, and she's like singing to herself and they're like humming and I had that image of Doctor Strange where he's just like performing surgery on the guy's brain while they're listening to pop songs and he's saying what year they came out and I was like this is a weird because I've been at the dentist many times since watching Doctor Strange and that's never come to mind but for some reason that combination of things I was like hmm this feels very very like that mo that moment but uh, I wrote these down as I said while I was waiting at the dentist and two cool things uh, I'll start with the one that I have very little to say about, and because I think my Rocket League content got kicked out of last week's because we lost the last couple minutes. So, for those uh, who won't know, because nobody else who listens to this could possibly be a Rocket League fan, <laughs> Vitality won the EU Championships this past week, which was very exciting for me because they're my favorite team. And uh, I felt very proud of them because basically there was this one team that's won everything all year and Vitality were kind of considered like the old gods like ah they're not good anymore washed up and then they just showed up for the the final championship as second place all year and won so I thought that was that was good and it was fun to watch the entire championship series last week was really good but the actual thing I have more to say about is this is tech related the idea of just when you find the right abstraction for something and it just works the way you need it to. So I'll rant on this a little bit because it is tech related and dev related. I, sometime in the last year and a half, I was gonna give a time frame, and then I remembered that you are aware of how bad my time judgments are. So at some point in the last year and a half, since I started at Telmedic, I was tasked with adding event logging to our API uh, that's like six years old. So we have this Django project, six years old. Basically had to go in there and add it without being super invasive to the point where like half the code becomes audit logging. So we need to make it reasonable. And that started it with, all right, we've got this event logging service that sits beside all our other services and they're all gonna just fire events in. It'll validate the events, make sure that the right shape and then other services can ask for those events and then we added, or actually I added the Elasticsearch querying on top of it. So you can ask for event types by a certain type and do all the cool stuff Elasticsearch lets you do. But the point is we didn't want to just be manually writing out all these JSON payloads as Python dictionaries throughout all our code. So one of the guys on my team wrote this chainable event builder that just allows you to, it's just a class you create an instance of and you say it's like going to be like event builder dot success and that'll be a success log. And then you can say like with, and then you have like all your custom with methods. So like with user, and then this is the user with request. And it'll say like stuff about the IP that sent it in or whatever, um, you know, with department. And then you can say whether, why it was affected and you can pass in the, the diff of what changed. These sorts of things. And that was very useful and it still works like a year later, it had, we haven't really had to adjust it much. So that was like the right abstraction. And it's always very satisfying when I go back and use it because it just never seems to be the case 
that you pick an abstraction and it ends up being a good one. So that's very, very useful. And then on top of that, I built a uh, audit log class and it does a bunch of the stuff that we found we were doing all the time on the basic endpoints. And so it was like, all right, let's com automatically compute the diff, automatically gather up all the targets that were affected, automatically figure out what performed that action. And then I put it into a little decorator and you can just put that. So I've got like a couple of tickets I had for the sprint were like add event logging to these things. And it's add, you had one line where it's just a decorator. It's like generic audit logging and you pass in what the event is. So it's like user updated and that'll just automatically do all of it for you. And because I have some rules based on that abstraction where it's like, it has to inherit from this class, which almost all of them do. And it has to be a basic CRUD endpoint, has to return the object that was updated. These basic things, as long as they apply, it's gonna work. And it keeps working after a year or so. And it's just so satisfying because it just is rarely the case. So Damn. a few of us all work together, created abstractions on top of abstractions on top of abstractions, and they seem to be the right choice. So I'm just very happy about that. Sounded more like a self-shadowed, but very impressive. <laughs> Any recruiters listening to this or senior engineers, just know Nathan is the abstraction guy now. No, 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 no. I'm usually the one pushing against it. I'm like, we can't predict the future. We don't know what we think we know. And that's why in this case, I'm so pleasantly surprised. That's all. Because wow. it was what I was working on today. I was working back through this code. I'm like, oh, I haven't touched this in months. Does it work? It still works, amazing. Somehow code goes bad. And I don't understand really yet how that works, but I swear you don't touch code and then it just starts breaking. And you're like, this worked six months ago when we used it. Why doesn't it work now? Well, like it's, it's like Christmas lights. Almost like there's a debt attached to mm -hmm. it. Right? I wish there was a term for it. Yeah, I don't know. But maybe we should we should like, do some more research, see if we can get an episode done on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on dead of code. Mm -hmm. What about you? Okay. What was your stuff from the past week? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, past week was I, I hang, hung out with my friends in Victoria. Ugh, gross. Um, I know, I know. I went went to get like ice cream with this guy, and he was just the most boring person on earth. Yeah. He dropped uh, his ice cream numerous times. He did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to break a solid ice cream with a plastic spoon too. It was... They should just give you better spoons. <laughs> and then he deflects it. <laughs> 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 there is no ownership on this guy, but <laughs> I disagree. But apparently, he... <laughs> disagree and commit. Yeah, but he doesn't. So you know. Um... <laughs> But I had a great time. I it was a very nice break that I needed um, to still be around friends, um, eat random junk food, not work out for a week, uh, and yeah, just do my job. So it was kind of nice. And yeah, and then for my cool stuff segment for this week, um, I learned about this fact like three days ago, and. I find it hilarious and very impressive where Samsung, when they're testing their phones, they have a robot which has a butt for testing how your phones will bend when you sit on them. So they test that before they ship those out, which is just the coolest thing ever. I'm just like imagining this butt robot like sitting <laughs> like 100 times a day 
and just laughing because it's probably just the like half a section to preserve materials and everything so yeah so that was the the cool fun thing and then tesla has an ai event next week they announced it today as much as i do sort of like you know um the things he does i'm more excited because the stock may go up and you know what happens when elon musk tries to mess with the stock market everything goes haywire so ideally i'd be on a vacation when that happens so i don't over trade <laughs> and lose out on money um but nonetheless it looked like a very cool event good stuff good stuff try not to lose too much money yeah i'll just go on a vacation probably with the weird ice cream guy and like <laughs> go hang out and see see what's up makes sense makes sense <laughs> yeah so tell me weird ice cream guy what do you know about s3 i feel very uh <laughs> on blast right now <laughs> <laughs> not liking the energy here. Uh well, you you know like when you reach a level as such as being the favorite co-host, mm. you have to also deal with the hate right, from the, the haters. Internet. Yeah. Yeah, from yeah. within. From <laughs> from the people who promoted you. Yes. But yeah. Yes. Anyway, S3. So S3. It is AWS's simple storage system. And the basics of it is that it's a giant, advertised as infinitely scalable object store that you can pretty much use for all of your content needs. So if you want to just, if you have some sort of payload, image, anything, you just want to stuff somewhere, you can probably just put it in S3 as long as you have a unique location for it. So everything looks like a folder structure but really it's just a flat set of keys that point at files and uh, integrates with a bunch of stuff. So that's the, the basics of it. What do you want to add to that? Yeah, no, that's pretty much what I had in mind. It's, I, I would add that it's my probably second favorite AWS service. Uh, yeah, S3, uh, EC2 being the first one. If you haven't heard about that, go check out our last episode. Cause Before the last episode, we talked to Shopify Anise last week. That's true, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the last episode where we talk about AWS stuff, that one. It's in the title. Y'all know how to, how to make it work, so go do it. But <laughs> for now, yeah, S3 is, it has always blown my mind how systems like that exist. Because even things like EC2, I have like a little architecture diagram in my head or some sort of expectation that, sure, you have like physical machines, you, you can virtualize environments, you have virtual desktops or whatever. S3, it's, it's probably like billions of hard drives connected in some weird RAID manner. And it's global. So pretty much everybody in the world is sharing some sort of resources somewhere. And it's just insane to me because it's it's what zettabytes or even whatever higher number beard is, is not only does it provide you with all that crazy storage, but it also gives you all that, you know, backups and RAID functionality and whatever you need. Like you can basically just say, I have this massive collection of movies I can throw at it and it'll take it no problem it'll back it up it'll 
serve it real fast too. That's another thing I really love about S3 because it's just, and I, S3 has not sponsored this episode. So like, I'm, I'm talking all of this just out of my love for how fast the service works for the amount of data it stores. Because if you've ever tried building a NAS server, a FTP storage, anything that deals with big data, it's a big pain in the ass. And it's just, it's really impressive to me how they how they do it at scale. So what are some of the things that you use it for right now? Um, so, okay, let's talk about different, different usages. So the very basic one, throw data at it. You have large media files, store it there. Any good architecture where you are storing large files or movies or even images, uh, ideally you wouldn't be storing them in your database. Uh, so that's when you store them in places like S3 and then you store the S3 URL and path in your database. Yeah, one, to, one thing that you can try if you're not familiar with S3 at all, that I think is a good way to just be like, oh yeah, it is as simple as it seems, is if you're using the AWS CLI, just start sending up a image, try to list your the uh, images in your bucket, see what's going on there, and just realize, oh, this is essentially just like a, it feels like a local file system when using CP commands and LS commands and just seeing what's going on. And yeah, you can just push and pull things and treat it like a file system, even though it's totally not. Exactly, and that's the, the brilliant, yeah, so I'll, I'll stop nerding over the storage part of it. Uh, another use case that I really like is, again, as I mentioned before, if you can use a, you can create a FTP server out of it. So the great thing about S3 is not only you store objects and that you only have access to it, you can set up access control, you can even open it publicly to the world. So you can have a really large file torrenting and you can store it on there and share the S3 URL. And unlike Google Drive or other places, I, I'm pretty sure you might not get DRM'd. Um, or I don't know, maybe you're, you're a family fiend and you've created a video of everybody in your family and it's like 100 gigs and you can no longer put it on Google Drive, go throw it on S3. On the free tier, you can probably just store it for free and like share it with everybody in your family. And that's the, that's the crazy good part. So uh, it, yeah, so since it has the ability to share files across the internet, it's also a great place to store static websites. Anything on S3, you can have personal websites. The Do Better Club, uh, this very, really good web blog website, nwcalvang.dev, uh, you can go check it out. It's also on S3, right? It is, yeah. It's, it's amazing how easy it is because they've baked that functionality in. So a combination with previous things we've shouted out, GitHub Actions, there's some nice actions that are pre-baked that you can essentially run and it'll just automatically configure your permissions for you, get, thing, get the caching set up, and it's very easy to set a to get a static website rolling on S3 because they have an option where it's use as static website and it handles a lot of that stuff for you so you don't have to worry about it. Um, it's a great way to build your confidence with S3 or at least that's what it did for me. Yeah, totally. Uh, and yeah, I think my confidence with S3 came from just using it as a storage place. Um, but when I learned you can stat store static websites, it just blew my mind. I was like. Of course, you can. 
and this makes so much sense and it's just so fast again just want to point point out to that it's globally somehow still load balanced shared so if i have something on my s3 bucket depending on the location it'll be faster or slower because uh, even though they say it's accessible globally buckets still are region based so you'll your data will still be somewhere on the us west 2 data center or wherever you choose to host it um, but yeah it's still really cool and then throw a cloud front in front of those static assets, you've got yourself a lightning fast website. Yeah, and if you've got a single page app, it's just, it's so easy. You just give it the index, like the entry point file. You're like, this is where you start. And you give it an error file if you want. You're like, this is what happens if something goes bad. And that's pretty much it. You hook it up with Route 53. You're done. Yeah. You don't even have to use Route 53. I mean, you could. It's if you're already in the AWS space, you should. Yeah, probably. I was using it for mine because I'd bought the domain on Google Domains, and so uh -huh. I had to pull that in, and that seemed like the easiest way to do it. Yeah, once you're in the AWS ecosphere, things are much nicer and connected to each other. Yeah, I should mention as well, it's it cost me like fifty cents to host two websites on AWS. So and I'm sure it would go up if people actually went to my site, but not by much. <laughs> like it's yeah. just really inexpensive hosting if you just need to get a static website up. Yeah, and for reference, it is again nwcalvink.dev. I have tell your friends. I haven't written anything. This needs to be one of my do better <laughs> soon. Is add a new article. I have some ideas, but uh, I get right. I get a bit self conscious about the fact that it's like, well, I haven't added anything there in a while. I probably should. <laughs> It's, a, it's just a, it's like one of those worst cycles. I haven't added anything in a while, and I should let it go, and then the fear just keeps building up because you haven't added anything in forever now. Right, that's what happened with my uh, YouTube channel. Like, the next video has to be good. Uh, it's been a year and a half, two years. <laughs> that. Is that built on the premise the previous ones are good? No. Oh, then why do you, what's the problem? It's more so if you took this much time off, what were you doing? Clearly not getting oh, good at true. making videos. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'm sure your loyal fan base will appreciate it. <laughs> if you want some of the most wholesome comments in the dev community, go check out Nathan's videos on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, people are very, uh, very nice. Yeah, but speaking of costs, uh, the thing Nathan mentioned, if more people are visiting his site, it's probably the CloudFront uh, pricing that's going to go up. Because S3 only charges you for storage and some level of access. And that's another great thing about it. It's stupid cheap. It, you can store, I think this free tier gives you a couple hundred gigs of storage just for free. And then after that, it's, yeah, if you need it completely access super fast, then it's not all that expensive. I don't know, go check their website. It's like dirt cheap. Or do you know it top of the head? I don't. It must be fractions of a cent because yeah. I, I think I pay 50 cents because it costs 50 cents to have Route 53. Yeah. So it hasn't rounded up <laughs> to the next penny. <laughs> All right. So there you go. And and yeah, and then it, it if you want to be even cheaper, it has another storage layer called Glacier where you can basically just throw data and say, keep it forever and I don't need to access it quite as fast. And yeah, then you pay basically nothing. Yeah, and there's even tiers to that too. So it's like, because I think the base one is four to 
four hours, something like that, minimum retrieval time, unless you're gonna pay extra for it. And then there's something in the middle, and then there's like a 12 hour, something like that, for their deep archive, um, as their minimum that they'll take. So if you really don't need something for a while, like it's not a, it's not a critical backup, and you just wanna store a lot of data, Using those archives and uh, Glacier offerings, another way to just make a cheap offering even cheaper. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the way they've achieved this at scale, there's really no way you could host your own like hard drives and little server at home and achieve like the similar price point. Um, I'm sure there's some website or blog comparing how how many years you'll have to like host and run your own hardware. Uh, to match S3's pricing uh, over time, but we don't we didn't do that homework because it's stupid and don't do it. Uh, <laughs> you tell them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course, if you're too you know concerned of the cloud and want to keep your data to yourself, you'll probably host your own storage. But you know, they're probably gonna get that data anyways. <laughs> We're all under surveillance all the time. Just Resistance use S3, save money. Use yeah, S3. exactly. <laughs> that should be their that should be their motto. Yeah, stop resisting. Use S three, and then like little Jeff Bezos or somebody comes to like thumbs up or something. Just as uh, as the vault boy. As the vault, exactly. You're just doing so good today. Um, yeah. So speaking of the pricing, let's talk about storage sizes. How? What can I do, Nathan? How? Infinite is this infinitely seeming place. You mean like Are there any limits? object size? I was really not sure where you're going with this. Just tell me the numbers. All right, so the numbers I know about, uh, it's I think if I remember correctly, we said it was five terabytes was the maximum size for an object. And if you want to go larger than five gigabytes, you have to do a multi-part upload. And alongside that, there's also things you can do like transfer acceleration uh, for uploading and downloading if you're trying to optimize speeds. But as far as maximums go, those are the two big ones. So you may have situations where you still want to go with like a document database, a NoSQL database. If you have a lot of really tiny objects that don't all deserve all these globally unique keys. But if you have larger things, as long as they're under five terabytes, uh, this is probably a good spot to, to throw it. So things like the larger images, uh, all the videos you were talking about, like high quality videos, throwing those up there. And then if they are bigger, you just have to use multi-part upload, which I think the AWS CLI does automatically for you, or at least the SDK yeah. does. Yeah, it's only you use the multi-part upload when you're doing the HTTP requests manually uh, to upload. But if you're using the CLI, it does everything under the hood. You just say AWS S3CP, my 10 terabyte file, dot JPEG. I don't know. That's a lot uh, of pixels. And then, <laughs> that's a lot of pixels. <laughs> it, it was compressed down. Oof. This is a yeah. picture of the whole universe. <laughs> you should look at the PNG. <laughs> um, yeah, and another, um, on the note of um, being able to upload files through HTTP, this, this might be like probably just a me thing, but I really like and appreciate the fact that they use put instead of post for uploading all these files because that's the proper HTTP declaration. I, unless, of course, if they used post when the first time you created and then subsequent uploads were like puts, 
then I think I would appreciate it more. But I still like that it's puts and it sort of makes sense because they're app they version the uploads. So it's always you're updating the last element. If you've enabled versioning. Yes. And yeah. this is a weird this is a weird thing I know, because uh, I had to know it. Only you can only ver add versioning with the root account. It's like two things that only the root account can do. Reset the password for the root account <laughs> and uh, add versioning. Hmm. Tell us more about the versioning. How does it work? What is it? Yeah, so if you have, say you have a bunch of stuff already in S3 and you add versioning, it doesn't do anything to that. Uh, those, <laughs> those, are still, those are still just one version. And if you remove versioning and you've been running versioning for a while, it's not going to go through and delete all your old versions. The way that it works is you can kind of think of it like a head on a git branch or something where it's like the current version is the, the latest version. If you delete the current version, that doesn't mean you delete all the other versions and vice versa. So if you want to permanently delete a version, it will permanently delete the version, but if you delete the object, it's going to delete the version of that object. And again, just as you put things up, it will increment the version for you, and that's essentially taken care of automatically. You don't really have to worry about it. It's just a matter of if you were trying to manually prune out all instances of this file that you've ever uploaded, if you have versioning involved, you'll have to explicitly delete all those previous versions. I don't have much yeah. else to say about it. It works the way you'd expect. Yeah. Exactly. Just go delete the bucket if you really just want to delete everything. That's actually something we haven't mentioned. They're in these things called buckets. S explain to us how S3's structure works, Nathan. Oh, no. So as I mentioned, it's a flat object store. Conceptually, there are these things called buckets. And they're essentially like folders. That's what you can think of them as. And those have to be globally unique. And then you have these keys that give you a path-looking thing to a file, but the path looking thing, again, is not a real file path, it's just a key. And you can list out your buckets, you can add, oh, you can have bucket policies, this is a good thing for buckets. So if you want to manage all your permissions, which you should be, because S3, as you mentioned, is globally shared, a bunch of stuff that you really, unless you have a public website, you shouldn't be just leaving open to the public, because that's a good way to get your data breached. You should have bucket policies, and they used to have um, not knackles. What are they? They're, they're some sort of permission list, but they're an older an older version that's super specific, uh, and you set them on the buckets themselves. Uh, access control list for buckets, but they're not they're not called knackles at that point, but something like that. Anyway, they have those as well. So if you want to be hyper specific, you can do that. But generally speaking, you'll create bucket policies. They essentially say what is um, enabled and what's disabled or allowed and disallowed as far as like this action is allowed from this IP and these otherwise it is always disallowed. Generally speaking, you should disallow as much as possible. And then if you open everything up, AWS is going to ask you, are you sure about that? And you check, make sure that if it is a public website, yes, that's fine. Otherwise, no, and just to be sure, probably just try accessing the stuff and make sure you can't. 
just a quick sanity check. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to say about buckets. They don't seem to be, other than conceptually, to me, they don't seem to be all that useful outside of per slapping permissions on them. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's, they're just the logical grouping. Yeah, okay. The permissions act as ch modding a folder. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, you limit who can access what. Yeah, and then, yeah, the globally unique part is kind of important. Um, so if you name your bucket test, uh, it may not go through depending on how they're created because they have to be unique across the whole AWS space thing. Um, but I've never run into a problem so long because I name my objects properly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know. la dee da yeah, it's like project name <laughs> dash the usage dash something. I don't know. There's a there's a pattern usually. Um, yeah. So so yeah. Nothing nothing crazy on on that. I would mention um, the yeah like if we're done with the storage side of it, I think uh, we can move on to the other great things S three does. Like what? Like coring. Oh yeah. Boring. So yeah. Suppose that you were using other services on AWS that produced a bunch of logs, and you said, "I'm going to store these logs in S3 because it'll let you do that." You then may later want to query those logs so you can find stuff out about it and not just look at JSON, raw JSON. So they have this tool called Athena, which I've been told by a member of my team, the team lead that it's a real pain if you haven't used it before and it's very difficult to manage. But I've been told from this essentially AWS sales pitch uh, course that I took that it's great and you should use it. So somewhere between there is the truth, but the point is it allows you to create what essentially amounts to like database tables and then you can just query your structured data. So if you have events from AWS services it already knows how those are run and you can, I think, just search them up and they'll be like, this is how you query logs and it'll automatically build the table for you and you can write your queries to prune through those logs, see like all the logs of a certain severity level, these sorts of things. So do the sort of stuff that you would want to do with event logs, except you're storing them in S3, just as JSON. So that's Athena. Do you have anything to add? No, yeah, so the the thing I wanted to just mention right before that was most of the people and people generally when they look at S3, they do look at the fact that it's just a big data store. Um, but yeah, the, the coring part makes it actually stand out and kind of awesome because yeah, there's, there's Athena that lets you query all this data, convert them into tables, but then Amazon sort of backported it as well to Redshift, which existed at, at the same time as S3. I mean, Redshift's very newer than S3, but the coring feature was launched, I think like four or five years ago uh, for <clears throat> being able to look at the data. And it's an unbelievable amount of time you save um, by not having to ETL all your data back from storage into a database pay for the S3 storage and the database storage and somehow maintain the equivalency. You can literally just go into Redshift, give it a path to a S3 file, 
may it be a JSON format or whatever format, maybe it's just CSV formatted, whatever. And you can just say, you can just start writing a query, being like select columns, this data, and you can join data in S3 to tables you have in Redshift. Insane, this is, this is all like great, this is what great data lakes are made of. Being able to query the data, just storing is not good enough. And that's what I love about it. It's the, the Athena Redshift integrations that you can run a whole bunch of queries, export data, and yeah, just just the seemingly good integration between AWS services um, for, for yeah all your data needs. Is there any specific use cases you have in mind for Athena versus Redshift? Not really. I think I haven't used Athena very much, but from the descriptions, it seemed like Athena was very much built just for like doing S3 and visualization on it and the storage. Whereas Redshift is, is its own data and database and it's made for mostly data warehouse stuff. Yeah. So it's, it is supposed to be large scale data, crazy amounts of terabytes of information. Yeah. And you may want to do things like how there's always like summary tables uh, for like big data warehouse data. And maybe you don't want to duplicate or enlarge the storage on Redshift because that's more expensive. So a good use case would be, I have a stream of information coming from a service or a bunch of subscribers that I am like subscribed to. They all push data into S3, it generates terabytes of data. And then I either have a AWS Lambda function or something in Redshift itself that goes in and queries all of this data, summarizes it in a way I want, and then stores it in Redshift for a much smaller memory and storage footprint. And then you can sort of think and treat the S3 part as the warehouse of the data warehouse and keep Redshift for all the better features you get of being able to query, summarize, and yeah, get, get your data basically. So is that using Redshift Spectrum or not? I think that's what it's called. So, it, so it, Spectrum, like, Spectrum is, is just the... Spectrum is the, the application that they provide for querying S3 directly without having to load that data into Redshift. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when you mentioned the yeah, Lambda, I, forgot, I wasn't sure if... I forgot what name they gave it. Yeah. Like, they made it part of Redshift. So I remembered you could just do, like... I see. Okay. From, and then you give it a path. Uh, but yeah, they launched it about four or five years ago. Uh, saying, here's a new thing, go crazy, kids. Right. And we did. We were kids <laughs> and we got crazy looking at it. And I, yeah, I was very happy with how it turned out, actually. Nice. Okay, that's uh, reassuring. I was, I've mentioned both Athena and Redshift, uh, Spectrum, because we use Redshift for a bunch of our historical data. Uh, and mentioned both of those to solve a couple of our problems that I thought were well suited for those and was uh, told that they are hard to work with. So uh, at least I know that somebody's, they spark joy for somebody. Yeah, I enjoyed Redshift. I have never used Athena. I've only looked at the docs and everything, so. Fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, that was the, the big thing I wanted to make sure I mention about S3 because it's awesome. And I, I, oh yeah, and Actually, no, that's more EBS. Never mind. Um, I, I think I've covered everything that I wanted to cover. 
on the S3 side of things in my notes. All right, so we got S3. You can just store stuff in it. We got FTP server. We got static website. We've got basically your data warehouse alternative uh, archiving with Glacier. Second, everything. Did I miss anything? No, because yeah, and because those are all S three specific things. We don't even, and then we can mention like integrations it has with other services. Like you can integrate S three with KMS, which is the key management system that AWS has, uh, and encrypt your data at rest. You can encrypt it while storing. You can use different encryption policies within S three to when you send and retrieve the data, you can do it on the client's end on how you want to encrypt decrypt data. Or you can just do it at S3 level. They provide you a whole bunch of options and you can use the Amazon's key storage and they all just integrate quite well. Another random factoid I had to know, uh, it does not encrypt the metadata for your object. So don't put anything important in there. Ah. So it will encrypt the object itself, not the metadata. File name, file password, <laughs> metadata. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, ah. I had something else I wanted to add before I thought of that. Oh, uh, hooks. You, if you upload something, for example, to S3, uh, or you put something into S3, it will. You can listen for those hooks and trigger uh, S Lambda functions, for example. So the classic example I kept hearing over and over again throughout my course was something like upload the full resolution version of an image triggers an S3, or sorry, triggers a Lambda function to generate a thumbnail that gets stored and that'll be cached somewhere and then you'll, you can let that data get, get destroyed at some point if you need to because you can always recreate it, but it's automatically being generated through these lifecycle hooks. So you can hook those sort of things up. And again, when you're having everything within AWS playing nicely together, it's set up to do that, especially these core services, the EC2s, the Lambda functions, the uh, S3s, those are really well integrated. And if you use them, they will uh, make your life easier. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I had no idea you were going to have so much enthusiasm for this. I was very concerned just... there was not going to be much to say. And then uh, you just went off. That's why I chose it. Because this morning when you were, when you were like, what should be talk about. I was like, well, we've already talked about my favorite service. Let's talk about my second favorite <laughs> service. Let's go down the list. <laughs> wonder if I have a third favorite. I think it would be the Beanstalk or ECS, one of the two. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Beanstalk. I just have bad memories of trying to make it work. Beanstalk is just the, the post I posted today on our Instagram. You take off the cover and it's just easy. To, that's all Beanstalk is. Yes. I, I just get discouraged when the sales pitch is and it just works. And then I try it and it doesn't. I'm like, oh. You just need to do better. Yeah, that's the, yeah I should have listened to this show. <laughs> I would have known better had I listened to this two years ago. Perhaps. Perhaps we need to cover Beanstalk. Maybe. I don't know about the next one, but yeah. Well, you got 150 yeah, like now, services to choose from, so choose wisely. Exactly. Maybe we'll pick up IoT, you know, <laughs> keep everybody on their toes. Yeah. Pick up a service we've never used and have zero experience with. Yeah, yeah but 
we can have we can have like some experts over. I I know some people, and not we're officially doing guests uh, on our show. Maybe we'll have more of them. We have done. We've had one guest, and it yes, was it was good. Yeah, it cut out, but technical <laughs> difficulties. It was also in person, so I look forward to those again. Cause now now you're back in a screen, and I don't know how. If you're the same Nathan anymore? No, I got the it hat. It could be a deep fake. Yeah, it's it's all a lie. Uh, yeah, but anyway, again, how was your week? What are your plans for next week? Oh how are yeah, you gonna do better. Our my it, honestly, I think it's my favorite seg- segment of our, of the show. Just the the do better and did better dot rip. So <laughs> let's see. Last week I said I'm going to. Or last week, what I said got cut off. Uh, I filled everybody in. It's all good. <laughs> um, but it was just chilling with friends, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode. Hang out with friends and Victoria. And yeah, it was just uh, sort of what I needed. I didn't do anything productive, and I'm okay with that. Uh, did not do better, but was happy. <laughs> dot com. Uh, <laughs> And, but now that I'm back in my normal routine groove, um, I'm going to start doing better on, I'm going to pick back up reading, because uh, I need to finish a couple of books, uh, or at least two books I want to finish before I go on my vacation next month. So not a lot of time, a lot of pages. So we'll see how that turns out. And I'm going to learn swimming. I try to learn swimming every year and I fail. So. I'm gonna try again this year. Uh, the only difference is I have a friend who's made it her summer goal to make sure I can float at the end of it. So now I'm like checking off two people's to-do lists by ensuring I don't die when I go in the water. Wow. Yeah. That's that's uh, inspiring teamwork. Exactly. So I'm gonna be trying to do it once a week. So I'm gonna just make sure. You know, I actually do it. And yeah, because public pools are sort of opening. COVID is disappearing. And yeah, well, I'm going to be swimming, swimming in water, I guess. That's where you do it. Um, that's where generally I prefer all my swimming <laughs> happen. Unless my boy Scrooge McDuck, if I can do it in the money. But uh, I think that would really hurt because our toonies are pretty solid yeah yeah they do something different with the ducktails coins i don't know what's yeah. up with those maybe it's one of those the chocolate ones you know i've never tried the rapper yeah, i've never tried swimming through chocolate wow. coins so maybe it's missing out man very different but when you're not swimming through the chocolate ones what are you doing better at oh uh, all right so this one barely counts as a do better but i'm still gonna mention it because I got sushi with one of my friends, and he didn't bail. Uh, I wow. was. It's more of a do better for my friends, but I was mm. I was still happy about it. I was sitting in the sun. It was one of my other things I did well. I spent a lot of time out in the sun the last week. Uh, I just went to the beach a couple times and just sat there, which I never do. But I figured it's good for me. I should spend more time in the sun. So I did that a bunch, and then I was just sitting there, and I thought, you know what, I could go for some sushi. And I committed. It's like if they, if they all bail because I messaged 
the top five people in my contacts for like local people who I recently have contacted. It's like if they all bail, I'll still have to go because I agreed to do that this month. Fortunately, he didn't. So I got to go eat some sushi with a friend. Spent lots of time outside. Oh, and I had phone calls with a bunch of people from my family this past week, which that's unexpected. So I chatted with my sister, which that never happened. She called me all, you know, to be fair. I didn't call her, so I wasn't being that good of a brother. But she called me, we chatted, and I called my mom the other day. And I do that every few weeks, so that was fairly normal. I had a good chat with her. And I called my grandma, which I don't do as much as I should. So I had a good chat with her. It's a nice uh, family affair. So the, so the TLDR was, you still suck, but they all did nice. No, I called my mom and my grandma. <laughs> okay. My sister called right. me. I'm pretty sure you said your grandma called you, but okay. Well, if, if I said that, I misspoke because okay. I called her. Okay. And I don't do that very often. So it was a good thing to do that I should do more. I am going to... Oh, somehow this didn't make it into my did better. But one of the things I said I was going to do better last week was do more stretching and things. And something I hadn't done very much in the past couple of years that I used to do all the time, almost daily, was uh, like just smashing my calves and quads with a lacrosse ball. And so I did that last night and I forgot how great I feel afterwards. So gonna do that some more this week. That'll be another do better is just get that back in the routine. So I've done a lot of static stretching and things lately, but for some reason got out of the habit and it's fun. Just throw on a YouTube video and just roll around on a lacrosse ball and it feels miserable. And then afterwards feels really good. So do more of that. And this uh, yesterday actually was the first day of the current phase of my diet. So over the course of about 12 weeks, I mentioned it a few times on the show, I dropped about 12 pounds in about 12 weeks from my winter fatness. And then I just hung out for about six weeks and did more strength training. So less volume work, more intensity work. And I got my numbers to sort of my minimums that I like to see like, okay, I can still lift. And that took, like I said, about six weeks which is enough time, I think, to sort of resensitize to training again and gave me a good break. So I'm gonna go back into higher volume work, more reps, more sets, and continue uh, dropping calories a little bit. But with the increased volume, should be able to retain muscle and see how the next two to six pounds go. If I drop below 150, I need to stop because that's just too light. and hopefully I don't, so. But then you'll be like competition ready ripped. <laughs> yeah, but I'll be so, so small. Uh, it's just something, even though it's only six pounds, having a one, like having one four at the beginning of my body weight just feels so wrong. I haven't seen that in years. So keep it, keep it at least 115 above. And I'm sure that'll keep me plenty satisfied for a summer physique and it makes lifting more fun because you get all the all the good mirror vibes going. Mm-hmm. So do that. Just marrying yourself constantly. Yeah, pretty pretty much. <laughs> so those are the main things I have written down. 
probably learn some more songs on guitar, something like that, but I'm not committing to those. Those are the two big ones. Stick with my diet, do some more of the little crossbow work, spend time outside. That's it. Those are good. It's summer. The more more you're outside, take in the two months of summer we get in Canada, and then yeah, the rest of it will be depressing again. I don't know. You, if you grew up in Ontario, out here just feels like we have summer all year. We have three three like rainy weeks during the winter where it's just clouds the whole time, and then two months of mostly clouds around that. But is that why everyone's depressed there? No, I'm talking about it here. In, on, oh. in Ontario, no, Ontario, it's like six months of just everything's miserable. Because, oh. so, this is, I won't go into this too long. We need to end the show. But here's the yeah. here's how the seasons work. I'll start in the spring. Everything's soaking wet. And it's just muggy and, and just wet. Not great. But the temperatures are okay. Problem is, it's 100% humidity or something stupid. So it just feels gross mm. anyway. You get a beautiful half a month, a couple weeks. As it dries up and approaches mid-20s, and then it goes to mid-30s and above for the summer, and you just cook. And then the fall happens. Happens to be when I was born, and it's just perfect. It's wonderful, it's great for about a month and a half. And then the temperature drops off a cliff, and you get your first snowfall and that melts, and then you get another snowfall and it melts, and you get another snowfall. Maybe it's white at Christmas, maybe it's not. And then January through, I don't know, May, you just have snow the whole time. Yeah, I like BC. Let's just continue being here. Yeah, yeah. BC feels to me like the best part of fall, except for in the winter when it feels like spring. Mm. So, like, it rains for a little bit, but otherwise it's okay. Yeah. It, if you're listening to this and you live in Lambton County, move to BC. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Actually, don't. No, just if, if just my family. They can move out here. I don't want too many Lambton County people out here. There's a reason <laughs> I moved. Everybody's so nice out here. We don't need more Lambton right. County people on this side of the country. That's true then they'll all be told that they're not being friendly during meetings. So. That's, that's what I was getting at, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. That's the big takeaway. Everybody that's the knows. big takeaway. All right, so how, you know how we end all episodes on some weird awkward notes? So this one could just be people in Lambton County are grumpy. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>